Hey there, Cramaholics. It is your host, Kinsey, back with another brand new episode. There has been some really exciting things going on here for Cramaholics, and with that excitement comes some changes to our typical episodes. Usually, you do not hear any type of ad breaks in the middle of our episodes. However, when you do hear those ad breaks in podcast episodes, we want you guys to know that it is a major deal for the podcast host. It means that they have really worked their butts off to be able to get the opportunity to be sponsored by different companies. With those changes, we do want you guys to know that eventually there will be a membership option available. But for now, let's roll into our Missing Mondays episode. Missing Mondays was a segment that was created because at any given time, 90,000 people are missing in the U.S. While some are found are live or deceased, the majority of them are still missing today. And it is my goal here with Crimeholics to keep missing persons' name and information in the media to aid in their return home the best that I can. On this episode of Missing Mondays, I will be bringing you the type of disappearance appearance that always leaves me so mind-boggled. 19-year-old Brandon Swanson goes missing in 2008 after he wrecks his car into a ditch. Brandon calls his parents for help, and while he is on the phone with him, Brandon completely vanishes, almost into thin air. But we know that's not how that works, so that means somebody somewhere knows something. On Tuesday, May 13th, 2008, a young 19-year-old boy by the name of Brandon Swanson, who was living in Marshall, Minnesota, went to hang out with some friends and have a few drinks in a nearby town called Lind. Brandon and his friends were celebrating completing their first year at Minnesota West Community and Technical College. While attending the Lind party, Brandon's friend stated that he had planned on leaving the party to head to another nearby town called Canby. And from what I researched, it looks like Canby is about 42 miles away from Marshall. He wanted to go out to Canby to be able to say goodbye to a really good classmate of his since they were going to be parting ways for the summer. Every one of Brandon's friends that were attending this Lynn party had told the police that when Brandon left the party to head to Canby, he did not seem intoxicated and he was completely coherent. After Brandon drove to Canby and said goodbye to his classmate, he told another buddy of his that was attending the party that he was heading back to Marshall for the rest of the night. All of the witnesses at the Canby party stated that he had just one shot of whiskey before he left, but again, did not seem intoxicated or incoherent. So neither of the people at the Lynn party or the Canby party felt like they were in charge of stopping Brandon from leaving. So he got in his car and drove the 30-ish minutes back to Marshall. The main highway from Canby to Marshall is called Highway 68, and it is a complete straight shot between the two of them. Around 1.15 a.m., Brandon wrecks his car into a ditch on a gravel road. Brandon had made several attempts to call his friends for help, but was never successful in reaching them. After not being able to reach his friends for help, he makes a call to his parents, Annette and Brian, to inform them that he wrecked his car and he was going to need a ride home. He goes on to tell them that he is located somewhere between Lind and Marshall and gave them his exact location. 
When Annette and Brian arrive at the location where Brandon says he is, Annette gives Brandon a call because she can't find him. While they were on the phone, Brandon and Annette both had agreed to flash their headlights at each other so that way they knew that each other was there. She could hear Brandon inside of his car flashing his headlights and Annette was doing the same thing, but neither of them could see each other. Annette was over the phone saying to Brandon, we're flashing our lights, we're flashing our lights, and all Brandon said back to her was, don't you see me? Annette tells Brandon that she cannot see him anywhere in the distance and asks if Brandon is flashing his lights. He says, yes, I'm flashing my lights. And Annette, again, can hear Brandon flickering his headlights. So obviously, they're not within the same vicinity of each other at all. Brandon gets so frustrated with his mom, Annette, for not being able to find him that he gets angry and hangs up the phone on her. Annette quickly calls Brandon back and she says, I'm sorry, we're trying our best to find you, but we cannot see you anywhere on this gravel road. Brandon's still feeling really frustrated that his parents cannot see him. He tells his parents that he can actually see the lights from the town of Lind and that he is going to walk towards the town. It would be a lot easier for them to pick him up there. So he asks them to meet him in the parking lot at Lind Tavern. While Brandon is on the phone with his parents, he tells them that he is going to cut through some fields, that this would be a lot quicker and would save some time. He is talking to them with each step that he takes. He tells them that he just got off of a gravel road road he sees two fence lines and he hears running water the call lasts about 47 minutes when all of the sudden brandon yells oh shit and the call gets disconnected his parents are completely frantic because they're thinking why did he just say oh shit and why did his phone go disconnected as any parent would they start calling brandon's phone over and over and over but they are not getting any answer whatsoever the phone rings and rings and rings and the panic within his parents just gets more and more the first thing that Brandon's parents do is drive over to the Lynn Tavern to see if hopefully their son is there waiting in the parking lot for them but of course Brandon is nowhere to be found Annette and Brian do their best to be able to try and track Brian's movements that he should have made between where he wrecked his car in the Lind Tavern. As they're trying to track Brandon's movements, they're starting to lose hope that they were even in the same vicinity where their son was. They continue to try and call Brandon's cell phone, but there's just no answers. It is now sometime after 2.30 in the morning and they are just having no luck trying to track down their son. Sometime around 6.30 in the morning when Brandon's phone finally goes straight to voicemail, they make the conscious decision to call the police and report their son missing. But as we all know by now that when you report your loved one missing, these are not always met with urgency. And of course, that's exactly what happened when they called to report Brandon missing. The police tell them just to wait it out a little bit because it's not highly unusual for a boy his age to just go off the grid, especially when he had been out the night before with his friends. They basically just chalk it up to that Brandon is probably still out with his friends or he's sleeping off the night before. But as time goes on and the day continues and Brandon is still not showing up, the police finally take it serious and they start to look into Brandon's cell phone 
and they're trying to find out where his phone last pinged. His parents would be totally shocked to find out that Brandon's cell phone last pinged in a place called Porter, Minnesota, and not even anywhere near the town of Lynn. Porter is somewhere between Canby and Marshall along Highway 68. So Brandon had in fact not been anywhere near Lynn where he was telling his parents that he was. This is one of those parts of these kinds of disappearances that just really boggles my mind. Because did Brandon maybe hit his head in the accident when he ran into the ditch? And got confused about where he was and that's why he told his parents that he was in Lind and not Porter? Or was Brandon actually more intoxicated when he left the party than his friends thought he was? And so because he was intoxicated, he thought he was in Lind, but he was actually in Porter. Just boggles my mind. Now that the police know for sure that Brandon is missing, an on-foot search begins for him, but it does not start in the town of Lind. It starts in the town of Porter, Minnesota, where his phone last pinged. Very quickly into this search, they find Brandon's Chevy Lumina sedan inside of a ditch. When they search the car, there is no sign of Brandon. And not only is there no sign of Brandon in the car, but there is no physical damage to the car. And there is nothing to indicate that there was any type of bodily harm. The police and the search teams are left completely puzzled because there really is no sign of Brandon. There was no footprints around Brandon's car. There was no clothing items left behind. There was no cell phone left behind. And there was just only that one ping from his cell phone. It really did seem as if Brandon had just vanished into thin air. The search for Brandon continues on for days and the days turn into weeks and the weeks turn into months. And still nothing is turning up. Law enforcement and search teams search local bodies of water near where Brandon's car was because they came up with the theory that maybe Brandon had fell into a body of water and drowned. And this theory may not be all that off because remember when Brandon was on the cell phone with his parents, they heard running water and then they hear Brandon say, oh shit, and the phone goes completely disconnected. After police put together this theory, they start to really utilize search dogs and take them out to all of the bodies of water located near Brandon's car. And they get a hit. The search dogs were walking along a riverbed when they picked up Brandon's scent. They stopped right there at the side of the riverbed, but after just a few seconds, they continued walking following his scent, which suggested to the police that Brandon likely did fall into that body of water, but was able to get himself out and continue walking on, which would make even more sense because If Brandon was walking, his family heard the running water and then all of a sudden they hear, oh shit, and the phone gets disconnected. It would really make sense that maybe Brandon did fall into that body of water, but did jump out of the water and continue walking. The police are putting in their best efforts to try and find Brandon, but now that it is months in to his disappearance and there's still no sign of Brandon, there's no evidence of foul play, they're kind of just at a dead end and his family really begins to lose hope that Brandon's coming home alive. The police searched the surrounding areas where Brandon's car was found. They searched Lincoln, Lyon, and Yellow Medicine, Minnesota. But there's still just no trace of Brandon. There's no sign. There's no evidence that he was ever in these locations. And as of right now, Brandon has never been located. 
The police still very heavily stick to their theory that Brandon fell into a body of water, got out of the water, and continued walking. And because it was only 39 degrees that night and he was soaking wet, they believe that Brandon very much succumbed to hypothermia. And they believe that his remains are within the 122 square mile radius of where his car was found. It's all just going to be a matter of of being able to find any piece of evidence that they can to return Brandon to his family. Since Brandon's disappearance, there has actually been a law put into place in honor of his name. The law states, Law enforcement is required to take a missing person's report without delay after notification of someone missing under dangerous circumstances. No matter the missing person's age, they are immediately to conduct a preliminary investigation to determine if the person is missing and endangered, and they are to promptly notify all other law enforcement agencies of the situation. It clarifies that the agency taking the report is to be the lead agency within the investigation. Brandon's family has stated no matter the outcome, they just want answers. Brandon Swanson went missing on May 14, 2008 and is missing from Marshall, Minnesota. He is a Caucasian male who stands at 5 feet 6 inches tall and weighed approximately 120 pounds at the time of his disappearance. He has brown hair and blue eyes and has piercings in both left and right ears and was last seen wearing blue jeans and a t-shirt. If you have any information about the disappearance of Brian Swanson, you are encouraged to call 1-800-634-4097. Crimeholics, if you haven't already, I highly encourage you to join Crimeholics podcast discussion group on Facebook. You can follow us on Instagram at crimeholics.podcast where I have pictures of Brandon posted or you can follow me personally at this is Kenzie K-E-N-Z-I underscore on Instagram. Crimeholics, as always, be aware and take care. Thanks.